right. Well, welcome to week two uh, in our series that we started last week called The Good Work. Everybody say, The Good Work. The Good Work. If you have your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. Everybody turn to Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. If you're here and you're like, man, I don't know where Nehemiah is, well, let me help you out. Uh, if you open up your Bible about halfway through, middle of your Bible, you'll find the book of Psalms, all right, if you open it up like halfway through. If you b- go back a couple of books, two, three books, I think it's three books before Psalms, you'll find Nehemiah. That's where we're at for the next uh, three, four weeks, and uh, we looked at chapter one last week. This week we're going to, and a little bit of chapter two, this week we're going to look at chapter 2 verse 11 and next week we'll do chapter 3 as you're turning there nehemiah chapter 2 verse 11 let me ask you a question have you ever have you ever heard someone say and usually comes with a negative tone or a negative voice have you ever heard someone say a phrase like this uh, what this country needs is and they they fill in the blank what this what this government or what this president needs and and then they they continue or maybe they're complaining about the school system that's broken or, or a, a restaurant that's really in really bad shape. And, and they, they say, what this, what this school needs is, or what this restaurant, what they need is, or what this family, or what this, sometimes I've heard it uh, in, in, in relationship to church, what this church needs is, and then they, they go on complaining and gossiping. And, uh, and, you know, talking about all the problems of the world. You see, it's easy to analyze and scrutinize and complain. That's easy to, to, to do. Last week, we began a series about a man who was actually fed up with his situation. And he could have very easily said those words. He could have complained just like anybody can complain. But instead of complaining, instead of scrutinizing and analyzing and gossiping, he actually moves into action. And his name is Nehemiah. Nehemiah is the man that we're looking at. He hears that, that there's about 50,000 of his people that have gone back to Jerusalem. He's about 1,000 miles away. And he's, he hears that they, they have managed 50,000. It was a little bit under 50,000. But they've managed to make it back to their homeland. And after being held captives for years, okay, they had been captives for, for so many years. And they're trying to rebuild their city. They're trying to rebuild Jerusalem, but they have no protection. They have no wall to protect the city. And uh, they're vulnerable to the enemy. Now, walls to you and to me, no big deal, especially modern day um, cities. You know, we don't really see them as being essential. But back then, they were a huge, they were as essential as, as the power grid. Okay, walls for that for in that day and age, they were essential as a police force, as a military. They symbolized strength. They symbolized peace and safety. Okay, and so Nehemiah gets word that his people, about fifty thousand, they were back. They're trying to rebuild the city, but there's no wall around, and the enemy's still attacking, and they're they're vulnerable. At the time, he's working for the king. He's a thousand miles away from Jerusalem. 
And he has this challenge because if he leaves, the king may think that he's going to betray him and turn on him and literally could kill him. And he doesn't know, like, okay, how do I handle this? But he, he also has this burden that he wants to help his people. Because in the past, I mean, the, the Babylonian Empire basically took the Israelites away and they raped their women and they put their men in bondage and they took their children away into captivity. And so he's wrestling with this. But instead of complaining about what's going on, he moves into action. And so last week we saw him going to before the king and he said, would you please, if you find favor in me, would you please grant me permission to leave and help my people and, and that was a very tense moment because the king could have killed Nehemiah but the king actually says you may go and he does not take it as a threat in fact he actually sends him away with some resources which is a really cool thing and so the king says yes thumbs up you can go in chapter 2 verse 11 we see Nehemiah arriving to Jerusalem and the Bible says that he's going to inspect the wall, the, the wall that's broken, that's in ruins. He's going to kind of examine the wall. But it's interesting, it says that he goes to inspect it in the middle of the night. Now, I wonder why that is, right? Like, why would he go in the middle of the night to inspect the wall? Like, what, what is he thinking? What is, what is going on? Well, let's look into it. I mean, if I'm going to inspect the wall, I want to do it and during you know when it's daylight when i can see you know when i can observe what's going on i mean this is not like a little wall just around a building like this is a huge wall and he goes and he examines the wall in the middle why is that i wonder well we're, we're gonna get to it here in a minute so we're in nehemiah chapter 2 verse 11 if by any chance you forgot your bible uh, the verses most of the verses will be on the screen so it says this, this is nehemiah's account he says so i arrived in jerusalem Three days later, I slipped out during the night. There it is. T watch this. Taking only a few others with me. Now, pay attention to that. That's important, and I'll tell you why in a, in a few minutes. I slipped out in the middle of the night, only taking us a few with him. Verse 12. I had not told anyone about the plans that God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. He hadn't told anybody. We took no pack animals with us, except the donkey I was riding. Now, what I want to do today is I want to share three realities that you will face when you decide to follow God's plan for your life. The moment that you say, you know what, I think I'm going to give this God thing, I think I'm going to give it a try. The moment you say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go back to church. I'm going to go back and you know what, I've been kind of going down the wrong direction in my life. The moment that, or you may be, it may not be like super, something super bad, but it may be like you're just a little bit off track. We all, you know, life is like that. It's a roller coaster, right? We don't, we're not all perfect, right? And so, but the moment that you say, you know what, I'm going to get back on track. I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to realign with God's word. The moment that you say that, there's three realities that you will face. Three realities when you decide to follow God's plan. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. The burden, I'm going to slow down because it may be a little bit, it may take a second to, to understand. The burden you bear, the burden you bear often reveals the calling that you'll be willing to embrace. Let me say it again. The burden 
that you bear often reveals the calling that you're willing to embrace. In other words, no burden, no calling. Let me give you an example. So Nehemiah, he leaves, put, put yourself in his shoes for a moment. He leaves the security of his home, right? He leaves the security of his job. He's working for the king. Why is he doing that? Why is he leaving? I mean, this is a good paying job. I mean, he's got a good gig going on. Why is he? Because he's got a burden for his people, okay? So he's, he's, he's got this thing that it's just, it's just a load that he's got on, on, on his shoulders. Even though he's a thousand miles away, He's willing to give up a comfortable position in Persia. He's given, he's essentially given up a comfortable, a wealthy position. Okay, not just comfortable, but wealthy. I mean, he's working for the king. And he's headed to a fracture homeland because that's really what Jerusalem was at this time. Why is he able to do that? Because there is a calling in his life. The greater the burden, the greater the calling, okay? The way I'm putting it, the burden you bear often reveals the calling that you're willing to embrace. And so he's headed to Jerusalem, and he's finding a disorganized group of people. That's what he finds, okay? They're trying to do a good work, but they, they don't know what to do. He's this, he finds a, a city that's defenseless. They used to have their own king. They used to have their own language. They used to have their own... Uh, army, their own identity, no, no longer. None of that is the case. And so he goes back, and he's going to face opposition from within. He's going to face opposition from without. Now, I said something last week, and in case you were not here last week, I, I'll say it again, or just as a reminder, I really believe it's, it's true. If you ever decide to do something significant with your life, I promise you, if you ever say, I want my life to count, it will cost you more than you'll ever think. If you ever get to a point in your life where you, know, you say, you know what, I really want to make a difference, more than likely, you will experience agony, you'll experience pain, rejection, you will experience deep discouragement, you will all often stand on your own, you'll stand alone, people will make fun of you, you will be ridiculed, sometimes you'll be misunderstood, and you're like, how do you know that, Alex? Well, look, I've been in ministry for a little bit, and I can tell you, I have personally experienced those things. I've personally been there. I cannot tell you the number of times that I've been misunderstood. Where, I, where I've tried to communicate one thing and something else uh, was picked up. I cannot tell you a number of times that I've been rejected, that I've had to stand, stand on, on my own, and I felt like I was alone doing what God wanted me to do. But here's the, here's the kicker. If you're willing, if you say, you know what, I want to do something significant, and I want to be used by God, and that was Nehemiah's heart, by the way. If you are willing... I guarantee you this. God will be honored and people's lives will change for eternity. There is a Franciscan blessing that sort of expresses my, my sentiments. I read this um, from a, a guy that preached on this subject. His name is Craig Rochelle. And I, I thought it was so good. And I, I just want to share it with you. Listen to it. If you want to, uh, like I can, I can, we can put it on social media and, and share it. It's a Franciscan blessing don't really know who the author is but listen to the words may god bless you with discomfort at easy answers half truths and superficial relationships 
so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, and starvation, and war, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and to turn their pain into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done buddy i read that and i was like man i was on fire i wanted to save the world you know like just go out there and do whatever it is that i can do for jesus let me say it again the burden the burden you bear will often reveal the calling that you're willing to embrace now the follow-up question is this do you have a burden or are you just going through the motions in life because often I find that people, we're self-centered, right? And we, we just, everything is about me, myself, and I. And so the question that I have for you today is, do you have, has God given you a burden? No burden, no calling. Little burden, little calling, okay? The greater your burden, the greater your calling. And so do you have a burden? Maybe your burden could be the, your kids or your grandkids, and you have a heart for your grandkids. And man, that, like, I don't have to tell you this. Like, you wake up in the middle of the night thinking and praying for them. And man, if that's the burden that God's given you, then like, that's, a, that's like pour into those kids. Do you have a burden? Maybe your burden could be a coworker, you know, and you work with this person and you don't even know how to deal with them or how to help them or encourage them or whatever it is that God wants to do uh, with them through you. But there is a burden. Do you recognize that? Do you, have, do you have a burden? It could be your siblings. It could be your mom. It could be your dad. It could be a, a, a co-worker. It could be Ignacio in his prayer. He mentioned homeless people. It could be homeless people. Now, here's what I encourage you to do. If you don't have a burden, and you're here, or you're watching, and you're like, man, I just feel like I'm just going through the motions. Pastor Alex, if I'm just honest with you, like if I was doing lunch with you, and it was just one-on-one, -on -one, like I don't have, like I've had a burden in the past, but right now I feel like, Nah, blah. You know? What do you do? Here's what I encourage you to pray. Pray this prayer. I've prayed this many times. Okay? Because in the ministry, there, it's not always like up here. There are times, there are seasons of life where you just, like, you're, you don't want to reach anyone. Okay? Here's a prayer that I encourage you to pray. I've prayed this prayer many, many times. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. If you pray that in sincerity, God, break my heart. God, do something in my heart. God, show me. God, let me see people the way you see them. You pray that prayer. And I, and I guarantee you, God will show you. God will give you a burden. All right, verse 16. Let's keep going. It says this. Nehemiah speaking. The city officials did not know I had been out there or what I was doing. So he's expecting the wall. He's there for several days. They don't have a clue. I had not, he says, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. I had not said a word. Here's the second reality when you decide to follow God's plan for your life. Second reality. Number two. 
Write this down if you're taking notes. There's no need to be appointed by man if you're called by God. Let me say that again. There's no need to be appointed by man if you are called by God. In other words, you don't need man's approval to follow God's plan in your life. Let me, let me kind of share with you a little bit of how God unfolds His plan for His people, okay? Let me just kind of share like the biblical progression, okay? When God shares His plan for you, okay, or for me, especially when He's doing it through like when he's moving large groups of people you see this all over the bible you see it in the old testament you see it in the new testament usually what god will do is this god will give a vision okay the vision comes from god and it comes to a single person an individual it could be a man or it could be a woman all right so in the old testament you have people like moses remember moses god came to moses burning bush experience uh you also have people like jeremiah you can read the first chapter in jeremiah fantastic passage uh, you can f fast forward to the New Testament, Paul, okay? We're looking at Nehemiah. The vision always comes from one, from God, to one person, okay? Now, let me just say something that it's, I think it's important to say. It's not just a pastor. Like, God doesn't just give his vision to clergy, okay? Like, God doesn't just give his vision to, to just the, the guy on stage or the pastor of the church, one of the things that I love about the book of Nehemiah is that Nehemiah is not, like, he's nothing special. Like, he's no priest. He's no prophet. He's not a pastor. He's not a warrior. He's not a king. He's none of those things. You could even say he's like, he's just a regular, just average, you know, just an everyday kind of guy. And God gives the vision. It comes from God to an individual, and then it moves. Watch this. This is real important, okay? It goes from God to an individual and then to a small group of people. Now, here's where we miss it often, okay? Look in verse 12. It says, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. Often, the vision, when you look at it from a biblical point of view, is not shared with the larger group until much later. It goes from God to an individual to a small group of people. And then later, sometime later, the vision goes to the larger group of people. Now, you're looking at me and like, okay, all right, help me understand. How does this apply to me? Let me connect the dots, okay? God will give you a thought. He'll give you a vision. He'll give you an idea. And it's maybe something that, that you are supposed to do with your business. It could be something that God wants you to do with your family. It could be something that, like maybe you teach, you're a teacher, and God wants you to do with your class. It may be a ministry opportunity. It may be a business opportunity. It may be just something. But the, the, the vision comes from God. God gives it to, do, to you. And the first thing that you should not do is immediately share that thought, that idea, or that vision with a larger group. And I'll tell you why. Here's what I've learned. Often what happens when we do that, that idea, that thought has not been fully developed. And God's given you the idea, but he's not giving it to them. And often it's, it's, you, have to, you have to take that, that vision, idea, that thought, and you have to let it grow. You have to let it get, like, like become a little bit more mature. You have to pray through it. You have to let God's word marinate in your heart. You have to, like, so let's say that, like, this is something that God birthed in you. It's, a, it's, in its, it's not fully grown, it's in, in, it's in, in, like in, it's 
infant stage, so to speak. And so if you share with the larger group immediately, what's going to happen is people are going to question what you're trying to do. Uh, and if you're not careful, you expose it to the elements and they could die. Okay? That's happened to me before. I, f I have an idea. I have a thought. I'm super excited. And then I tell everybody and everybody's looking at me like a weirdo. Like, what? We have no idea what you're talking about. Well, it was too soon. It was too soon. I had not taken the time to pray about it. I had not taken the time to, to let God's word marinate in my heart. And what happens often is people will ask questions. They will challenge it. They will have all kinds of doubts because the, the vision was given to you. It wasn't given to them. I hope that makes sense. And so every vision that God has given me for life point i have i don't share immediately because i've learned in ministry there are some things i have to cl keep close to my heart and i have to pray through i want to make sure is this is this my idea is this the lord's and then sometimes I, i'll talk to other pastors and i'll call them and say hey this is something what i'm thinking this is what i want to take the church in this direction um what do you think and i receive feedback and so you pray through it and so three realities when you follow God's plan for your life, number one, the burden you bear often reveals the calling that you're willing to embrace. Little burden, little calling. Number two, there's no need to be appointed by man if you're called by God. You don't need man's approval to follow God's plan. Number three, and we'll close with this. Uh, let's keep reading verse 17. It'll come out here at the end. Watch what Nehemiah says. He says, but now I said to them. Now watch this, okay? Because he's now speaking to the larger group. And he says, this is important, by the way. Uh, it says, but now. But now. Like, this is all about timing. Great leaders, great leaders know timing, okay? Like, if, you ever, if you're ever trying to communicate something that's a big deal, like, let's just say to, to your spouse, Okay, man, there's just something in our relationship, and I don't know how to handle it. And I, and I mean, it's just like, this is difficult. Timing is everything. If you're ever trying to communicate with your boss, for example, time, great leaders know that timing is essential, okay? I often pray for the right words when I have a meeting that's a difficult meeting with someone else. I pray for the right heart, the right words, the right spirit, that it'll, receive the right, that it'll be received the right way. But then I always include the right timing. God, timing is everything. And so Nehemiah says, but now, verse 17, but now, now is it the time, okay? It wasn't three days ago. Three days ago, he's inspecting the wall by himself with a small group of people. Nobody knows. He says, but now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we're in. Now this is so good. Listen to it. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Do you know what Nehemiah is doing? Nehemiah is casting vision. If you're a leader and you want to know how to cast vision, watch this. He is he's a genius at casting vision. Look at what he does. He's communicating with them the problem. He's not ignoring it. He's communicating with them the, the difficulty. The rea he's, he's asking them to face the reality. Because the truth is, a lot of times, we ignore reality. Look at it. You know very well what trouble we're in. Jerusalem is in ruins. I wonder if some of those people had kind of gotten used to things. If they've gotten used to the wall just being broken down. 
if they've gotten used to just being vulnerable to the enemy. And I think that happens in life, right? We just get used to the, just the regular junk that we just have to put up one day after the next. And you could say, oh, you know, he, if he mentions the wall, if it, like he's going to discourage them. He owns this and he encourages them. He says, the wall basically says it's been the, the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now, as a pastor, what do I do? I, I want to gain wisdom from God's word. I want to imitate it as much as possible. And this is what I'm trying to do as, as I lead LifePoint. I'm trying to cast vision the same way. And that's why last week, if you were here, you know, we were talking about heart for the house. And, and, and you know, if you are new to this church, let me just tell you, we're not about building buildings, okay? Like, we're about building lives, okay? Like, our church, we really believe that we're so much bigger than the, this, this structure that we believe that we are the church. But we want to be good stewards, and so if you came last week, I showed you a picture of the pillars. If we can show that again, um, you know, it's not to, not to discourage you, not to make you think, oh, man, that thing is going to collapse on us. No, 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 that's not the heart behind it. I'm trying to do what Nehemiah was doing with his people and just paint a picture because I had volunteers that were coming up to me. It's like, hey, let's cover it up. We can put some plants around it. We can, and I understand their sentiment, and I appreciate that, but I want our people to own the vision of heart for the house and so i want you to see this this is our reality you guys you drive up to the parking lot and i don't know about you but i have a hard time finding my parking spot you know and and so as a church as we're raising money for heart for the house i want you to see that look there's some things man our our church needs some some we need to repair some things and um what i'm praying for in case you were not here last week, and hopefully you got a magnet on your way out. Maybe if you didn't, you'll get a magnet. But what I'm praying for, if we can show the next slide, is this. This is what I'm praying. I'm praying that for 25 people that will donate $100 from here until the end of the year, okay? And I know that's a huge sacrifice for some of you. And for some of you, you're like, man, I can't do $100, but maybe I can do 10 or 50 God knows your heart, okay? And so this is just a simple, and this is what I'm praying for. God, Lord, as we, as we do this thing, would you, God, I'm praying for a couple of people that will donate $10,000. Now, for some of us, it's like, wow, that's a, you know, but there are some people that have been financially blessed, and they may be able to do that. Now, please get my heart, okay? The goal is not even $75,000. The goal is for all of us to say, you know what, I'm going to own a little bit. Next week, you don't want to miss next week. We're going to talk a little bit about how the wall was actually re rebuilt. And what you're going to see is that everybody had a part in it. As a pastor, in case, and I know some of you, you're here, or you may be listening, and you're like, oh, you know, we don't trust pastors. They always want more money. Um, I, I want you to know, like, Leah and I, we prayed about this. And we gave sacrificially. We were the first ones to give because I, I truly believe leaders go first, right? Leadership is taking the first step with a servant's heart. And so, like, we went, we went First, Our name is towards the bottom of that, that graph, okay? And so, but please, 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 please know my heart, okay? Whether you're eight or you're 80, the heart behind heart for the house is let's all get under. If we have 100% participation and we only raise half, I would say that's, that's a win. Does that make sense? Okay, so Nehemiah, so he's, he's basically t telling them, Equal sacrifice does not mean equal 
given, right? And so he's saying to them, like, here is a challenge. The walls are in ruins. Jerusalem is, is all messed up. And I want you to listen how, to, how they respond to the challenge. Watch this, verse 17. Watch this. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. So they're owning. Like, this is, this is God's place. Like, we should not, this is Jerusalem. And I mean, there's a, a history behind all this. Like, we should not let it be like this. And then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. And they replied at once. Watch this. They replied at once. And they said, next slide. They said, can we all say this together? Let's all read it together. Ready? One, two, three. Yes, let's rebuild the wall. Yes, let's rebuild. Let's do this, they say. And so they, watch this, they began, next slide, the good work. That's where we get the name of the series. And so they began the good work. You and I, we have good work ahead of us. Would you tell somebody, tell somebody close to you, tell them, you, you have good work to do. Tell them, run out, run out, all over, online too. If you don't have anybody right next to you, just say it out loud. I have good work to do. Just go ahead, go ahead, don't be shy. You can do it. I'm, watch, I'm watching you guys, I'm watching. You have good work to do. Nehemiah paints a painful picture Paints a painful picture. But I want you to notice what he does next. He shares God's hand. Did you pick up on it? So he tells him, look, we're in, we're, it, it, this is a mess. But then he says, then I told them, this is how you cast vision. You paint a picture of reality, but you also tell them how, how God is moving. And he says, then I told them how, about the, the gracious hand of God and had been on me and about the conversation that I had with the king. And so, so I want to I paint reality, but I also want to tell you the good things that have been happening. Over the last few weeks, uh, we've been getting bids, you know, just from different contractors in the community. And we're telling them what kind of what our project is and we're working on and so forth. And um, I think it was about a week ago, we had someone, it was the second or the third bid to, for the parking lot. And they came and they saw our sign, no perfect people allowed. And we, the first bid that we had gotten was in the tens of thousands of dollars to repair it. And they saw the banner, the, the third, the third uh, bid that we were getting. They saw the, the, the banner that said, and the flags that say, no perfect people allowed. And they said, man, I love the heart of your church. We're going, to, we're going to give you a bid that was so reasonable that we're not talking tens of thousands now. We're like, I mean, we're going to save thousands of dollars. And so that's God's hands moving. Even before we, like this is even before we started the initiative two or three weeks before that one of our elders is talking to another contractor in town and one of the things that we're doing with those pillars we're going to actually instead of just fixing them we're going to they're going to look like um, we're going to put cedar okay and um and we'll have a rendering it's coming it's it's been they've been a little bit slow but you'll see in the weeks to come we're going to have a rendering of what it's going to look like um but our elder um shows up to these people and uh and, and, um, and they, because of him and because of the heart of our church, they say, we want, to, we want to donate all of the cedar. Like whatever you use, we want to donate it. And so God is already moving at work. And so what I want to do is I just want to be a part of what God is doing. 
And, and so that's what Nehemiah does. So if you, and that's kind of a little bit of a side thing, if you're a, if you're a visionary, if you're a leader, if you want to know how to cast vision, learn from Nehemiah. He doesn't shy away from the negative. But he also goes back and says, let me show you, let me give you, let me give God the glory for what has already happened. All right, when you do that, when you do that, watch this. When you say, okay, I'm going to follow you, Lord, here's what happens. Verse 19, we're almost done. Verse 19, when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plan, I'm going to ask our worship team to get in place. When they heard of our plan, they scuffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? They asked. I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall but you have no share, no legal right or historic claim in Jerusalem. Three realities when you follow God's plan in your life. Number one, the burden you bear will often be revealed, the calling that you, you're willing to embrace. There's, number two, there's no need to be appointed by man if you're called by God. And number three, complaining, watch this, don't miss it, complaining is easy, leading is hard. Anytime you do something for the Lord, Anytime there will be people who will not agree with you, who will not only not agree, but they will they will voice their opinion against what you're trying to do for the Lord. Anytime that you do something that you're just like, man, I'm gonna go in this direction, somebody will oppose you. And that's the case with Nehemiah. Chapter two, chapter four, chapter six, time and time again, you see these personalities. In fact, in chapter four, it says that the enemy, I'm quoting, the enemy flew into a rage. And the Jews were mocked. What does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Chapter 4, verse 1. Do they think they can build a wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Now there's so much I could get into with that. Because this was a worship experience to them. Rebuilding the walls was not just about a building. It was about what God was doing in their hearts. Do they, do they actually think they can make something of stones from rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Listen to this. That stone wall would collapse even if a, a fox walked along the top of it. They're being ridiculed. Nehemiah is being put down. You're not going to do it. What are you thinking? Who do you think you are? You can't do this. And it's one thing after the next, being mocked, being ridiculed. What does Nehemiah do? I know what I would do. <laughs> when somebody opposes me, I want to lash out, you know? I'm so quick to react. Every time when the naysayers came his way, when the critics came, you know what he did? Verse 4. Then, say it, then I, can't hear you, then I prayed. Then I prayed. When the naysayers come your way, God's given you a vision. God's given you a heart for those grandkids. God's given you, you fill in the blank. It's a burden. It is a calling. There will be opposition. And when the critics come, when the naysayers come, do what he did. Now watch this prayer. You, you can study it on your own. I'm way past my time. He says, 
Then I pray, hear us, O God, for we're being mocked. Next slide. May their scuffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Not the most spiritual prayer, right? But here's what I love. What I love about Nehemiah is that he's expressing his anger. In fact, in the whole book, 12 times we see him coming to God when the enemy came. When opposition came, 12 times he came and he prayed, he prayed, he prayed, he prayed. And in this case, you see it in that verse and the next verses. He's expressing his anger to God, but he's not taking matters into his own hands. He's not taking revenge. He's not um, retaliating. He's not. He stays focused on the good work. And often we do the opposite. We take matters into our own hands, and we don't say anything to God. And so leading... Complaining is easy. Leading is hard. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you pray with me? Father God, would you take the truth of God's word, God, and tell us exactly how it is that needs to be applied in this moment. God, thank you for the reality that we will face when we decide to follow your plan for our lives, God. Thank you for the reminder that the burden we bear, it's reveals the, the calling we'll embrace. It reminds me of what, what John Wesley said. Light yourself on fire and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Light yourself on fire with passion for the things of God. People will come from miles to watch you. God, may that be our desire, Lord. God, I pray for those who are here that don't have a burden for anything and they're just, just kind of just going through life. God, would you please break our hearts for the things that break yours? God, thank you that we don't have to wait for permission from others to be used by you. We don't have to be appointed by men to be used by God. And God, may you give us the courage like Nehemiah, to pray. It's easy. It's easy to complain. It's hard to lead. So God, I pray that you would give us the courage to obey your word, Father, to follow your spirit. And God, as we transition into a moment, God, where we give you our best and our first, God, may we not just give you our leftovers, God, in this area of finances. God, I pray that you would bless those who, who give. Thank you for what we heard. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.